episode five of Hello, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Not a Real Veteran. I'm your host, Not Will Darty, and we have a very exciting show for you guys today. We're going to talk about what the Catholic Church is doing and saying in regards to vaccine mandates in the military. We're going to talk about troops getting a climate change miseducation from the government, as you can expect. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my military story and what brought me into the military uh, from a libertarian perspective. Welcome, Mohican Libertarian. Welcome, Patricia. I appreciate you. And no thanks, not a real libertarian podcast. You are never welcome here ever. Bye-bye. And without further ado, my incredible host, yours truly, the bootleg librarian. Mm. Wow. All right, Mr. Bootleg Librarian. I love that. And uh, Well, you're being way too German with it. I think Americans would say butte. I know I didn't spell butte wrong. Butte leg librarian. The Catholic Church is doing something other than raping kids. All right. Not a real libertarian podcast is no longer allowed to comment on the show. You're banned. You're banned. Gulag. You're zucked. Gulagged for straight up. All right. But before we get to this awesome show, guys, first things first, we have to do ad reads because we keep the money coming in. And if you've got a business or a libertarian movement idea or something that you're working on, any kind of project, and you would like to be on our show, DM myself or Mr. Braxton. I mean, bootleg librarian or bootleg libertarian who's completely unrelated to bootleg and let him know and we might be able to get you on the ad reads. But first things first, Braxton, why don't you take this one? The Tennessee Radical Caucus. I think the, is there an overall just LP Radical Caucus? Yes, there is. So the Radical Caucus, cockeye, caucasses of all the states and collectively they are... (laughs) radical about the cause they're radical about freedom they kind of embody the motto all your freedoms all the time and um as you know our pod father bootleg libertarian is part of the tennessee (laughs) party he's taking over tennessee we're taking over oklahoma and uh, eventually we're going to take over the country however uh the tennessee radical caucus is sponsoring us they're supporting us so if you can support them all your freedoms all the time bang bang shoot them up destiny our pod father. That was the most beautiful thing I think I've heard you say in a long time. No offense. That was great, though. Uh, Thomas Queter. There's no quit in Queter. He is running for state senate in New York. If you guys don't know Thomas, get on Clubhouse and talk to him. The man is phenomenal. He's got a lot of brilliant things to say. He would be an incredible senator, a huge step up from any Republican currently in office. And you can find him, volunteer, donate to his campaign, and buy merchandise at tom452.com. Crowned by Gold, the third book of Jack Casey's trilogy. Will is almost done with the first chapter of the Royal Green. I'm sorry, I'm real distracted by Will's demonstration there. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to add effects. Like we've said, they are very, very, very affordable on uh, Amazon, but if you want to buy the paperbacks, they are... Uh, there's a lot of utility in them. A uh, great thing to have. It's like Atlas Shrugged. Buying the book and having it on your bookshelf is what counts. It makes you a real libertarian. It's the only way to be a real libertarian. And the Alaskan Raven for all your meme needs at Slick Crow. Send them a message and ask them to make you a meme. If you need a meme, Alaskan Raven is the person to do it. The Greasy Porcupines. <laughs> Um, wherever you are in the United States, Canada, or Mexico, <laughs> they travel to you for automobile repair services and you pay what you feel like they deserve. So, uh, just extremely laissez faire about it. Quality worksmanship, excellent customer service. I mean, wherever you're at in North America, they come to you and work on your vehicle. I don't know if they do motorcycles and scooters, but um, definitely check them out on their website. And yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great cause. I'm glad they're a sponsor. Absolutely. Good job, Alex Flores. Hit him up if you guys are interested in joining that. And our unofficial sponsor, Diet7Up, which keeps me fueled to be able to host this show. So thank you, Diet7Up, for all your contributions to libertarianism and veteran issues. Man, I wonder and- if he's any relation to my friend, Gilberto Flores Flores. 
I don't think Gilberto Flores Flores, which by the way, for those who don't understand, was in basic training with myself and uh, Braxton. I think Flores is a pretty common name in the Hispanic community, which is exactly why the customs people changed Gilberto's name to Flores Flores. They told him that there were too many Floreses and immigrations literally made him change his name to Flores Flores. At least that's what he told us. Um, or maybe his mother, his mother's name was Flores and his father's name was Flores and they got married and she wanted to keep her maiden name. I don't know. But we did know Gilberto Flores Flores in BMT. Um, anyway, let's get on to the cool stuff. Braxton, anything exciting happened in your life this week? It's starting to get like offensive that you asked me that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just assumed there might be something new every once in a while, but shame well, on me. We talk every once in a while. I don't know why you have to do it on air just to let all it's four for the audience. Know that I don't have a live theatrical oh, effect. Still don't have a life. It's cool. What do you got going on this weekend? This weekend. Um, I'm going to go see some family in Bakersfield. What else? Libertarian-ish. Mm, can we talk about on the air? I thought that was most definitely redacted. Can we talk about it on the air? No, it's not No, redacted. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to California. I uh, The <laughs> southeastern region of the Oklahoma Libertarian Party has a table at a hot air balloon festival um, in western Arkansas. And uh, going over there to... You know, help out, hang out with them. Um, I'm pretty excited though. That's my region, even though it's three and a half hours away. But uh, you know, I, I met them a few months back with you at that campout we had in mm-hmm. Darty, and uh, yeah, they're awesome people. So anything I can do to help them, uh, I'm going to be there, and you're going to be there as well. Hell yeah, and I will be there as well, doing libertarian shit with other libertarians. If you guys aren't involved in your state party, you should change that ASAP. And it's not even about, you know, the organization of politics. If you're somebody like Braxton, who's not really interested in politics that much because he's more of an anarchist. But still, it's about being around like-minded people, having those kind of conversations with other libertarians. It's incredible. You get so much out of that. You don't know what you're missing if you haven't found yourself in a real in-person libertarian circle yet. So I highly encourage you guys to do that. All right. Well, I think, guys, the way that we wanted to start the show today, if I would not be so vain is to talk about me. Let me help just so it's a little bit less awkward. Um, like me, you were in the air force, right? Yes, that's correct. That is correct. Very cool. I thought so. Um, I heard you mention it before. Why'd you want to join the air force? And, uh, about when did you decide that you're going to? It's a great question. So I was, um, I joined the air force as a libertarian, And uh, I've been a libertarian since I was 13 years old, since 2007, when I first heard Ron Paul speak. Um, And so I joined the libertarian, or I joined the Air Force knowing kind of what I was getting into, recognizing that it was a quote unquote, a murder cult, for lack of better words. Um, But I really joined it, man, because I needed the money. I I was working 60 plus hours a week at two jobs at restaurants, just kind of slaving away. Time out, sorry. And the uh, coming in as a, you know, technically an E3 pays more money than two jobs working 60 hours a week. Yeah, a lot more. Whenever those jobs are McDonald's and Red Lobster, yes. That's because Um, socialism beats capitalism. Go ahead. That's because uh, as long as the government only keeps socialism in a really tiny portion of the economy, they can afford it. So I'm, I'm just kidding, bro, but I'm surprised everybody. to hear that. I've actually never heard you uh, say that before. Yes, yeah. that is a reason. Yeah, my uh, and you know, in the Air Force and the military, you also get basic housing allowance whenever you are married, which at the time I was. So I also got that for a check to pay for my rent and bills. So it was uh, I was really taken care of. The first check I got in the Air Force was definitely the largest check I'd ever had in my life. Um, so that's why I joined. I mean, I always had some element of patriotism. But I had kind of blown the nationalism out my ass by the time I got to that age when I was 18. Um, so I didn't have a really romantic attachment to the government or the flag or those kind of things. But I did have a romantic attachment to the ideas of liberty. And at that point, I still thought maybe the military had some avenues for me to explore those things, defend those things. Um, looking back, I'm not sure that those avenues did exist, but I think that it gave me a lot of credibility with other veterans and people who wouldn't necessarily listen to a libertarian otherwise. Um, so I definitely no regrets. I had a really great time. Um, yeah, but that's, that's why I joined. Nice man. And it's also a family thing too. You had a grandpa that was in the air force that actually my my grandpa was in the army. So he was not in the air force. Um, so I was the first, 
I was the first member of my family in, in anybody of my family to join the, uh, the military and the first person I know of to join the air force in my family as well. Okay. Okay. Um, so when did you enter the military? I entered and wow, we've been missing some really great comments. Um, I entered in 2013. I joined when I was 18 and actually got to ship off whenever I was 19. Um, I went to basic training in good old, um, Lackland air force base, San Antonio. And I met my co-host right here in MEPS, the military entry processing station. So we were both shipping out to basic training on the same day. We met in the elevator. We had our little manila folders that told everybody looking at us that we were government property about to head off to hell. So we thought, um, so we started talking. We're both from Oklahoma. You know, we had a lot in common. We got, we're really interested in talking to each other about like religion, ideas, things like that. Um, and just hit it off really well. So it was dope. Stayed on the same airplane on the way down. Luckily, got in the same basic training flight because can't imagine if we would have got separated, how different our lives would be today. Dude. Crazy thought, butterfly effect. But um, anyway, so <laughs> oh gosh, um, okay. <sighs> anyway, Wait, do, do we have Miss Darty in the waiting room? Can we bring her on real quick, just for a minute? You know, she actually watches these quite a bit. She surprises me. She'll like tell me about like how a podcast was. I'm like, thank you, mom. But she thinks I should cuss less and I, I probably should. So she's not, uh, she's not wrong. Hell on hell. Come on. It's Air Force boot camp. What didn't you get ice cream? Yep. Sure did one. What's up stone vet guys. If you guys want to watch another great podcast, the stone vet Marine Corps here, but uh, we did get ice cream, but we also got yelled at for it. If we uh, didn't know our shit, it was something you got in like your seventh and eighth week, unless you were sneaky. I don't remember the ice cream, but they literally had like these, uh, they weren't pyramids. They had these like ice boxes with rotating trays and like a light yep. on top, remember? And the yep. <laughs> dessert and it was spiraling, but you had the, yeah, it was the whole process. I didn't know they had cereal there. Okay, no, I, I knew they had cereal because I'd be eating and I'd see people uh, sitting down with cereal, but I didn't know where the hell they got it from until about the fourth week of training. And I finally <laughs> found the cereal and it changed my life. It's and, too scary to like go exploring. You can't just like run around and like look for cool stuff. Well, no, obviously, you, you know, you have to have your, uh, you know, eyes forward the whole time. And in order to find the cereal, as you're going along the little line, uh, there's a certain point where you stop and you have to do an about face. And, you know, the bowls are within arm's reach this way. And then, you know, another about face. So. Yep. No, I was the same way though. There was more and more I found each day. I like, you started learning from the end of it. You got more comfortable finding all the good stuff, but uh, yeah. Like so the squid game, but I've not seen squid games, but I'm pretty sure it's exactly what it was. I just know that that's a thing. I have no idea what it is, though. Exactly. So I'm probably right. But I'm sorry, but I kind of cut you off. What were you about to say? Don't care at all, bro. Um, yeah, so basic training went there. Uh, me and Braxton were bunk mates, or we were one bunk away from each other. So we were both on bottom bunks, right? Isn't that how mm-hmm. it worked at first? Yeah, right next to each other. So, you know, we could cuddle kind of a little bit. I would stick my arm over and just kind of put my arm on his chest, and we would put our heads together some nights. Just kidding. But – it was awesome, and uh, I had a great time in basic training, honestly. It was some of the best best eight weeks of my life. It wasn't fun to be away from my family and stuff. I missed everybody, but I had a great time with PT. Um, I loved learning everything. I loved the optional course, the shooting. I loved everything about it for, for the, what you could take in. I felt like it was just a lot of good lessons. Um, graduated basic training. I uh, went to tech school in Fort Lee, Virginia for six weeks. My job in the military was um, – to move cargo onto cargo aircraft. So it was really, really blue collar, pretty easy to learn. And uh, I got my first station in Ramstein, Germany. So that was dope. Um, First and only station. So I moved there right after Fort Lee. I uh, stayed there for four years, had an awesome time. I did a six month deployment to Al-Udid, Qatar, which was also super cool. If you guys have never been to Qatar or the Arabian Gulf at all, Go visit those places. Go to Dubai, Bahrain, Abu Dhabi, or Doha because those are some really cool places in the world. And uh, I fell in love with it. You know, it was nothing but sand as far as you could see, 120 degrees Fahrenheit during the day. But I loved it. Absolutely beautiful part of the earth, beautiful cultures, um, except that you couldn't have alcohol off base, which is pretty lame. Um, no, Rich, I was not a loadmaster. So the difference is loadmaster's job is to calculate the weight on the aircraft and the balance on the aircraft. And they actually stay on the plane. So they're an air crew member. 
So they ride with the aircraft wherever it goes. My job was a flight line job. So I stayed on the ground and I put things on the aircraft, chained it down, strapped it down with whatever it was and drove the big trucks and stuff. And then I said, say la vie and stayed on nice flat earth. It's kind of a misnomer because, yeah, the loadmasters don't load anything. They're respon- they're responsible for the cargo. They have a clipboard, uh, which got upgraded to an iPad. And as far as their job calculating weights of things, they got an app for that, homie. So, And they actually, the they don't actually they calculate it. Hop around. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that because you said that. Sure. There's actually somebody called Load Planner that does the calculation, which is also what my career field did. It's somebody on the ground who does that. The Loadmaster's job is kind of the last um, line of accountability. So he's basically the manager of all those things. So somebody else makes the decision, and he's the guy who has to say, okay, this is okay, and I'll take responsibility for this. Um, So he's kind of the oversight on that, but super cool job for sure. I was colorblind. Uh, so I had a really limited number of jobs that I could do in the air force. And unfortunately anything involving flight crew, I was exempted from. How did you cure that ailment? I never have by being real fucking confused all the time. Damn it. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, mom, but I've never cured the colorblindness. I just can't tell the difference between certain things. And it doesn't really bother me day to day unless I'm in a rural town and there's one flashing light and it's supposed to be red or yellow. And I have no idea. So um, a few grandmas have died because I thought it was yellow and it was red, but that's, you know, small casualty for the price. I was going to say you get, uh, you're known to get a little bit confused at, uh, political rallies. Like, Will, like, don't you know, those are Antifa. Oh dude. I thought that was a yellow and black flag. My bad. <laughs> no, I don't get yellow and red confused luckily, but I've never seen Antifa. Well, that's not true. I went to a BLM rally in 2020 for George Floyd. And there were some Antifa people there, but they were spread out. It wasn't like an Antifa event or anything like that, but um, pretty interesting. So yeah, that's, that was my military career. I had a great time. I uh, really, I was pretty good at it, but I also uh, had a little too much fun. So it was a hard balance to find, but at the end of the day, no regrets. I had a good time and uh, I'm really glad that I did it. And I feel like, you know, this is why we're doing this right now is that I want to use that military experience to bring people into the movement, to reach people who might be a little further to the right or just trust in that legitimacy of military service, as artificial as that is. Um, We can reach those people now because we have the credibility of that experience and they listen to that, even if it's not really that valid, even if it doesn't give us any more say or know how and how politics works or the economy works or anything like that, people listen to it. So I, I definitely am glad that I did it, and I think it, it goes a long way in getting in people's ears. Yeah, no shit. I could not drive there. Dangerous. Very dangerous. That sounds kind of dangerous, period. And, yeah, uh, what is that? Speaking of, I kind of miss – do you ever miss the uh, stoplights in Germany? You like the yellow both ways? Yeah, so that's a good – I do miss that. So Braxton and I both lived in Germany for a time period. And their stoplights turn yellow before they turn red and before they turn green. So you've always got like this warning that something's coming and uh, it's really peaceful. It's really nice. But uh, enough about me. Let's get on to the real issues, the things that are plaguing the libertarian veteran community right now. And let's let's freaking talk about it. So uh, first things first. Let's talk about climate change literacy. We shared this on the veteran caucus yesterday. Can you see my screen, bro? Absolutely. Cool, guys. So go to military.com. They're a great news source for military issues. But troops are getting climate literacy education under the Pentagon's new climate change plan. Now, actually, Braxton, do you remember doing this anyway? Not climate change specifically. I think we did. I don't think it was an entire climate change um, thing, like an issue. But there was some kind of environmental um awareness training or something like that i could have sworn we did nope mm-hmm. besides a fod walk nothing's ringing any bells to me okay um huh well that's something that did exist but anyway guys so basically something that you notice if you've served in the military is that every time the presidency changes and the structure of power changes in the government a new line of propaganda comes out to kind of address issues in the military and change the culture. Um, And this is just another one of those things. So the government kind of uses the military as that first line of propaganda, 
weakness, I guess I would say. They know that people in the military are at their mercy. So they can give them any information, force them to swallow anything that they want. And it works the same way with vaccines or anything else. Um, But you always see this whenever a new president comes around. And honestly, it's not as though whenever a Republican wins that new propaganda emerges. It's just that the propaganda that existed disappears. And then whenever a Democrat wins, then that propaganda, whatever it is, comes back into the the workforce or into the military. And right now, they're talking about, um, there's a lot of things, of course, like woke culture has definitely reached the military, undoubtedly. Um, But now climate change. So what do you think, bro? What do you think this like characterizes? What do you think this means for the military as a whole? And just how how this information is being fed to them. Well, first of all, man, it's not going to affect the service members at all because they are so used to it. Um, and just to like nail down specifics, because I'm sure a lot uh, a lot of the vets watching remember at least the modern era vets, the GWAT vets. Um, obviously, Michelle Obama. One of her biggest things were the healthy foods. So, do you remember the uh, plethora of briefings on? Um, specifically against energy drinks. I do remember that. So I worked mid-shift almost always. We did in Greenland uh, halfway through the year, they they swapped the flights. They swapped the shifts upside down. So half the year you work days, half the year you work nights. But huh. half the year it was constantly dark and half the year it was constantly light. So it didn't make any sense. Um, it had sure. no bearing on anything. But I always worked mids. And, you know, we would have a briefing at, say, you know, we'd get off around like, uh, six o'clock in the morning, maybe I don't actually remember the time, but we'd have a briefing like three hours after that. And they didn't trust anybody to go home afterwards because they were always afraid people would be falling asleep. So you'd just have to hang around base. You'd have to hang out as a flight and then you'd go to this briefing on why energy drinks are a detriment to your health and how they're going to kill everybody in America. And, you know, everybody would have like two monsters and like a red line or a five hour energy lined up just, you know, pounding them because you know oh, we've yeah. been up for like 19 hours so it was just kind of which i mean i i don't disagree with the energy drinks being a bad thing but it's a staple of i i guess i can't really comment on the military as a whole but it was certainly a staple for air force shift workers uh, the classic white monster your go-to i mean no it's, exactly it's basically a meme i guess the other branches well okay let's be specific here the army and the marines perhaps had the rip lines air force i feel Rippets. like is that sugar Rip it. Sorry. I, I drink red line. That's a little bit different. It's just caffeine. It's caffeine and hydrus. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. But yeah. Uh, is it rip, rip it? Yeah. Yeah, it's rip it. You're thinking of whippets. No, it's rippets. Okay. Yeah, they had rippets. See, I, I like them know. both, but rippets is what I'm talking about. <laughs> you are kind of, It is rippets. All right. Uh, bootleg confirmed. But yeah, you're a fan of energy drinks all around. So, I mean, nobody's. Uh, that shouldn't shock anybody. I mean, the climate change thing is really weird. It's weird that it's a political issue. I think everybody ought to know it's just a bureaucratic game. Every single year, the U.S. government funds enough climate research where any given year they could solve world hunger. But instead, it goes towards climate change research. So, And I'm sure that statistic applies to so many areas of government spending. Um, well, it's ridiculous. It And then the other thing that we talked about in the Veteran Caucus in that post is the U.S. military is the largest polluter in the world. And a lot of people argued with that statement and said, no, it's China. Well, okay, perhaps the country of China is a bigger polluter than the U.S. military, but that's looking at an entire country versus one entity, one organization. That's kind of unfair to look at a mass of other organizations and then compare them to one single organization. But as far as a single entity goes, I've not read anything that contradicts that the U.S. military is the largest polluter in the world. And even it then, it sense. depends on the metrics. I mean, even sure. then, it depends on the metrics. Are you just measuring carbon like a lot of people do for some reason? Or, I mean, is there, you know, just hazardous waste? I mean, I don't know. There's so many metrics. And just like any argument you get on on Facebook, um, you can have two credible legitimate articles that say oh this is you know the number one um devil's in the details yeah exactly so i mean but whatever but yeah it's a pretty damn big one there's actually a documentary that's supposed to be coming out called earth's greatest enemy (laughs) which um it's in the podcast that i sent you i don't know that sounds like a little bit too woke for me but uh it's definitely a huge polluter and i don't think anybody anybody in the audience would dispute that yeah, it's and, not even 
It's not, it, it's not like we're saying that everything, everybody should be green and, you know, we should go that way. Even though I think as a personal choice, that's a good thing to do, but it's that the military has no right to preach that propaganda to their troops whenever they're the ones actually that are causing the problem. If your response is like, no, we can't be the worst. We must be the second worst. China's the worst. Like, uh, I hope you feel pretty crappy about that. <laughs> but, I know you, you were making fun of that guy and you said, uh, hey, I was not China. making fun of him. I know you were saying it's probably a conversation. Trumper. That was a private I'm sorry. conversation. It was a hilarious but, enough when I had to share it. Well, um, everybody knows libertarians give zero concern to environmental issues, zero, none yeah. at all whatsoever. So we hate the earth. We want everything to burn, everyone to die, everyone to starve, and we just want to be rich in our castles with our guns by ourselves. And if you can't get on board with that, maybe you're not a real libertarian. Okay, precisely. No, but honestly, we should address this while we're talking about it. Being a libertarian means that you believe in political freedom, that you believe the government doesn't have a right to force anything down your throat. That doesn't mean that you can't be an environmentalist. That doesn't mean you can't recycle. You can't have solar energy in your home, that you can't do everything you do can possibly do to diminish your carbon footprint. Um, and I respect anybody who's willing to do that because I do think we have a carbon problem in this world. And I think, you know, the science is pretty, pretty clear about that, but whether government's the solution to that is a, is a big question mark. And in, actually, in my opinion, no, it's not. It's obviously not the solution since it's the largest polluter in the world. Um, so we support voluntary solutions, which can include changing your lifestyle to help the environment. We just don't support the government forcing it down people's throat or propagandizing their military members for it. You know, we weren't planning on talking about it, but it kind of just is in this vein, um, along <laughs> with the wokeism and all of the crazy briefings, um, is actually one of the biggest problems, I would say, in the military, and that is sexual assault. Do you want to touch on that? Sure. Like, um, like what, what, what's your thought process behind it? Because I don't think, like, as far as the wokeism goes, I kind of see that as two separate things. Like, don't get me wrong. I feel like it's kind of like when the government finds sexual assault is a really big problem in the military. And it especially was 10 years ago because they were having a lot of issues with um, superiors, you know, having sex with their subordinates and holding their position over them. And what they pretty much decided is that there is no consent um, when there is a separation in authority. And that makes perfect sense, right? Because if it's your drill sergeant or if it's your boss or somebody who's choosing your promotion or not, and they want to have sex with you, you can't really rightfully tell them no if your job is on the line and your future's on the line. So the military changed their policy to say no, no more of that. They got really strict about it. Um, and then there's also a problem of just blatant sexual assault that also happens in the military simply because of the environment that people get put in on deployments and women are just in unsafe positions and they weren't doing enough to protect them and keep them safe and answer to the issues and when to the accusations. Um, so a lot of that has been repaired, but I think what you're talking about Brax is like, basically they've kind of overcompensated and started um, kind of now trying to find those problems everywhere, not just where they come up, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Well, yeah, it's an enormous can of worms. The reason I thought about it initially, and again, I do think it is one of the biggest problems in our military, so we should um, address it at some point. But whenever I was thinking about those climate change literacy, that's the first thing I thought of were those silly briefings. And two come to mind. Number one was the energy drink one, just because it's so hilarious that, you know, like I said, everybody had been awake for however many hours. So they were banging energy drinks as they were listening to this briefing. But the other one was something the military implemented uh, towards the end of my career which was a uh, red dot green dot training. So you go to this briefing that was a few hours long and basically it's kind of like playing red light, green light when you're a kid, like they they give you a hypothetical um, scenario with like elements of sexual assault. And then they talk about how you can prevent it and report it and all that stuff, which is already drilled into your head from the beginning um, because of the huge issue they were having with the superiors and subordinates, like you were talking about. However, it just got really, 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 really silly, in my opinion, because number one, they hired one of those huge uh, corporate firms that their job is um, not really public relations, but it's their job to go to huge corporations and brief them on certain issues. And there were definitely there were definitely kind of the attitude of if you are a male, you are a rapist until you've lived your entire life without ever sexually assaulting anybody. And then, you know, then and only then are you considered, you know, like a decent human being. But what got really silly about this red dot, green dot is every quarter you'd have like a 
commander's call or an all call. So either way, you're talking about hundreds to thousands of troops getting, you know, briefed by their commander, whether that's like a group commander, which would be a group is the same as a brigade, I believe, brigade or battalion. And then, Hmm. but an all call would be more, um, you know, like the base commander, but you know, he would have a map of the base and it would be red and green dots all over it. And this company had like these crisis actors where you'd have someone grabbing someone else's ass. Starbucks. And if anybody, yeah, if anybody spoke up like, Hey man, that's not cool. They'd give you a green dot. And I think you could even put it on your uniform. Like, Hey, you're a good noodle. And if not, it's a red dot. And you know, that's kind of a theme too, because the way they handled it, all of it actually made it worse starting with whenever I was in the delayed entry program, I had to sign like this form saying that I knew like legally I couldn't have a relationship with my recruiter. Hmm. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I remember that. Yeah. Sergeant Will was a good guy, but he was like, he started passing these out. He's like, I'm sure you're aware of everything that's been on the news. And everybody's like, no, what the hell are you talking about? And basically, especially in basic training, you had MTIs really abusing their power and uh, sexually assaulting these trainees. So there was a huge overhaul of that. And actually, dude, that's the reason we had a captain like integrated into our basic training flight. You remember that? Uh, I do remember that. He followed us around. A really nice guy. He was a really nice guy. He tried to get uh, trainee K, whose name we're not going to mention, to the bathroom, but they weren't able to get there in time. But that's why we had a captain was to make sure there was no like sexual assault. That's really weird to have an officer um, attached at that low of a level to a basic training or boot camp. Seems like a big waste of their time. Like they they get paid way too much to be following a basic training flight around. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But um, as a cop in the military obviously i saw you know a lot of instances of sexual assault and it's sickening and it does happen in the military from what i've seen like a little bit more in civilian life because there's just a there's a higher sense of integration and you know i've heard some really awful stories uh, my command chief in uh, korea when he was a first sergeant he had a troop that was sexually assaulted she was doing laundry in the dorms and three guys from her shop came in and they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to go. I think, you know, they're watching a TV show or something. They invited her over and all three of them like brutally assaulted her. And she was telling him the first sergeant, how, you know, she obviously was very upset crying. Um, she trusted them. I think like two of them were on her like brother flight and BMT and also her tech school team. They were from the same shop. And then the third one she'd been working with, working on the same ship. So she felt like she could, trust these people they're like brothers to her you know what i mean and that's kind of what you want you know what i mean like if i worked with um an airman of the opposite gender and they were like real distrustful of me that'd be like weird as hell you know what i mean sure you can't it's hard to do the mission when you have that yeah i mean i would yeah just personally that'd be really weird so you do kind of develop those brother sister relationships with them but at the same time you have a lot of uh very very young men and women uh maybe in countries where the legal age to drink alcohol is a lot lower and uh you know so there are plenty of legitimate sexual assaults in the military and it's terrible but another thing um i I bet you remember around the time we were coming in is when they changed the rules to where if and again this is all this is how it's put targeted towards females specifically if a female's drunk she can't consent right so okay well that you know that makes sense there you know there's you know, hook up culture, you know what I mean? There's movies and TV shows where people, you know, hook up with drunk people. But uh, if you're in the military, you can't do that. Like, all right, fair enough. That's not, you know, that's not too weird. If she's drunk, she can't consent. That makes sense. Where a lot of people complain is like, if they're both drunk, neither one of them can consent. So how can you prove that one person was taking advantage of the other person? Sure. But um, it was actually an Obama administration directive. They told the JAG that they wanted hundred percent conviction for sexual assaults in the military and that led to a lot of problems too but you know a few maybe a year later they kind of changed that rule from where it was you know if she is drunk she cannot consent to if she's had alcohol if you know you go to a Hmm. bar she takes a drink of beer she takes a shot you know hey do you want to take this party to my place she says yes if she says that you sexually assaulted her you did so then it was kind of like really like wow that doesn't make a lot of sense but at the same time it's kind of like, well, those are the rules. Unless you want to go home and tell all your family and friends that you're kicked out of the military for sexually assaulting somebody, you just don't pick up girls at bars. Like, that's not that weird of a thing. 
And there's been cases like we saw in the video uh, when we learned kind of about Jag. I don't remember if that was basic training or what, where that thing, that exact thing happens and the person still gets found not guilty because they were both drunk because they couldn't decide, you know, basically who consented. But um, just because they tell Jag that they want a hundred percent conviction rate doesn't mean they're going to get one. It just means that Jag is going to not drop any cases. They're going to go all the way to the courtroom for it. But that still, that doesn't mean if they have a good defense and they had witnesses or something like that, or, you know, their stories don't line up and they can still get off of that. It's a, it's a very hard one to like bring like absolute justice to, um, Hmm. you know, I have a lot of friends personally that whether or not they were convicted, they at least got accused of some heinous things that really were nothing. And then at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of people that got sexually assaulted and they didn't get justice. So it's, it's just a terrible deal. But I liked one thing you said though, that you said that they taught that every man is a rapist until they live their entire life not raping somebody. I feel like I, I like that. And I know that is wokeism, but I like that. And I like that for every kind of concept in crime. Murder. You're a murderer until you've lived your entire life without murdering somebody. Because to me, that's kind of like a, a Jungian reflection of recognizing the darkness in all of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the monster that's inside all of us. And recognizing, I feel like men who are like, uh, I can never do something like that. I can never kill somebody. Well, those are the kind of people who, in the heat of the moment, could definitely kill somebody. But well, people yeah, dude, who recognize I, that potential can actually control it. And I agree with you for sure, um, because I also listened to podcasts with Jordan Peterson. But I think it's a, I think you feel a little bit differently, like from a legal point, not like if you're in a courtroom. Because I mean, at that point, presumably you've already did something wrong. But to have someone tell you, like, you know, you're a piece of shit, and we're just waiting to bring the hammer down on you, it's a little bit different. True, but That's um, good point, man. So it transitioned from if she is drunk, she cannot consent. Okay. If she's had alcohol, she cannot consent. Hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I mean, that's easy to avoid. If you care about your career, your reputation, any of that, that's very easy to avoid. You just don't pick up people at bars. But then by the time we were leaving, it's if it's reported that you sexually assaulted somebody, it's pretty much going to go that way. And as a cop, I didn't have to deal with that one as much, but if someone claims that they were sexually harassed, you can and you do ask them like what was it and they don't have to tell you if someone says they were sexually harassed they refuse to give any details like it could be something as weird as you know uh the staff sergeant approached me in the hallway and he started talking to me about the weather but you should have saw the look in his eyes like it was sexual harassment i'm not comfortable there can be consequences but they don't even but they don't even have to offer a weird excuse if someone says I was sexually harassed. It's going to be treated that way. So like the punishment might be that might be taken into consideration. Like, Hey, there were no details given, but, uh, and you know, actually personally, I would argue it was really important to the air force. And we were told as much by our squadrons, first sergeant in basic training. Do you remember our first sergeant, the very first first sergeant we ever had? She was a senior master sergeant. She was a little bit shorter. Um, but she was pretty cool. She was, Oh my gosh. Uh, hold on. It was with an M. Uh, <laughs> what was her name? I don't know, dude. I can't remember my chain of command. Ness, from basic Mesa, training. Mesa. She was a badass, dude. I liked Maybe. her. She was yeah, cool. Okay. Too. Anyway, go but, ahead. You know, she really drove home the point that just because someone is a higher rank than you, they can't abuse that rank. You still have the same rights. Nobody can take advantage of you. It doesn't right. matter what rank they are. And that's awesome. Like that's absolutely correct. However, yeah. I think the way that they handled it, it kind of transitioned to. Um, in some cases, again, I didn't even see this very often. I just hate the idea of it. I didn't see this very often, but I think it could turn into a crucible situation where it just Hmm. empowered people to, you know, if someone is making me do stuff, I don't want to do not sexually work wise. If someone's not treating me the way I think I deserve to be treated, you know, there's just, you know, there's a comment box away from them losing their career and me, you know, going up in career. So sure. I just think they handled it really poorly, but nothing, nothing in any type of justice situation should be guilty until proven innocent, like civil asset forfeiture. Um, you know, even our criminal justice system, as far as it's applied racially is kind of like that in a lot of ways, because if you've got a public defender and you're black and you're going up against a murder charge and the victim's white shit, statistically you're in big trouble. So <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean, Sean, I'm not saying that from a legal standpoint. I'm saying that from a, a personal standpoint to recognize the darkness within yourself. Like Carl Jung, you know, that's a big part of his philosophy, understanding your shadow self and, you know, Freud's id. 
But um, anyway, man, let's move on to uh, the next issue because we're running out of time, but I want to hit on this for sure. So the next issue is the same people that brought you uh, sheet music and the calendar that we use today <laughs> is also helping troops get out of these tyrannical vaccine mandates. That's what you're going to you say, right? If you guys can't tell, Braxton is Catholic, if you can't tell. So the Catholic Church says the Catholic troops. Catholic Church says troops can decline COVID vaccine as first deadline approaches, specifically the Johnson and Johnson one. But an archbishop has given the way forward for military members to decline the vaccine if it's against their conscience. And apparently, about twenty-five percent of the military is Catholic. That is insane. So this is amazing—a really big religious movement probably is is the catholic church the largest single organization or religious organization in the world it makes perfect sense okay so the largest church pretty much in america as far as one organized church is coming out and saying that their members are allowed to deny the covid vaccine and that's incredible that's extremely empowering how do you think first of all tell us how this ties into catholicism and then secondly how do you think the military is going to respond so mainly, and I checked because I've looked into a, um, I've looked into the Catholic religious exemption for just vaccine mandates period, like for my own work. And I wanted to see if this article said the same thing. And it was, um, specifically the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, the spike protein that they were able to isolate came from, a, a strain of aborted stem cells in the Netherlands, which is, um, Oh, yeah, back in like 1985, it was like a 16-week-old fetus, and they aborted it uh, willingly for like, I don't know, and donated it to science. So obviously that uh, definitely contradicts with Catholic faith, and then also um, it causes infertility in women, not necessarily at a higher rate, but for both of those issues, um, yeah, the church has definitely come out and said that if you're a Catholic, it's well within your right to reject that based on your faith, but at the same time, they said that if you feel like the risk is grave enough, it is morally permissible to take it if you have no other hmm. options. So okay. pretty uh, libertarian about that. And then also, I mean, if you read that article, they actually they outlined that. But it sounded to me like he was encouraging anybody um, to use that to get out of taking the vaccine. Um, they were pretty much like, hey, this is kind of free, free info. Anybody that wants to claim this, uh, we recommend that you do so. Damn, dude. Well, that's freaking incredible. Um, so now, how do you think the militaries respond? Do you think that they have to respect that as a religious exemption now that a church has officially said our members have a right to do this? This is part of Catholicism now. I would think so, dude. Like, it's a little bit I, – I really don't know. I mean, I was involved with the chaplain corps, like, all through basic training and tech school, but that was it. Um, the military is pretty um, – the military is pretty accommodating. I didn't have a Catholic chaplain at Thule, for example, the remote base, but they did fly a Jesuit priest over there who was just, uh, he was stationed through the church in Greenland's capital, and they would actually fly him to base for holidays and uh, all the holy days of obligation. Technically, you're supposed to attend mass um, every week, but sure. so they didn't have us covered there. We had other, we had just regular. Uh, Protestant chaplains, but for high holidays, uh, holy days of obligation, they did fly a Jesuit priest from Nook, Greenland uh, to the base. So they, they were pretty accommodating. That's pretty incredible considering you're in freaking Greenland. And I remember we, we went to mass during beast week of basic training and I just went to mass with you because I didn't want to be a beast. And uh, that was great. I got, I got to skip out for an hour and spend some time with Catholics. Uh, I went to, I went to mass with you like twice, right? I think so. That sounds about right. Yeah. Maybe I'll, more I'll, than that. I really liked the uh, services at BMT. He was a cool chaplain also. Church and basic training is freaking awesome. But um, this is just incredible, man. I, I wish that more, you know, denominations of Christianity, more religions in general would just come out from their leadership and say, hey, our people are allowed to do this. But honestly, the other side of that coin is it's bullshit that they have to. They shouldn't have to. Religion is something that each person determines for themselves. It's not something that has to be decided by an authority above them. Um, or a dogma above them. So everyone should just have this right to say that, you know, this is my religion. This is against it. I don't have to explain any more to you. And, and dude, that should this, be a period. This could have pretty big implications because, you know, Joe Biden is Catholic. He already takes a lot of heat for, you know, supporting abortion. There are a number of bishops that, you know, have called for his excommunication. And, you know, 
it, it's hard to keep politics out of it. You know what I mean? Like if the bishops really believe that, that's one thing, and there is a case to be made. There's a big difference between personally believing abortion is, you know, like maybe a human right or, you know, there's a good faith argument to be had. Let's say there's a difference between that. But, you know, if you are the president of the United States, and you're speaking on national television saying that this is a good thing. So I don't know. I I just hope I would pray that they are not like overstepping their bounds and just trying to be political because that would be really, really, really gross. Um, But Mm -hmm. there's so I mean is the military going to are they going to kind of not call the bluff are they going to hold on to their cards or not are they going to double down with their tyranny and be like no screw your religious exemptions we said you're going to get this or are they going to you know in the face of you know the chaplain corps a quarter of the force and you know the president being catholic that you know like i said it has i don't know if it's going to be a big deal but it has some implications Dude, well, I, I hope they actually stand up to them, and I hope they don't uh, back down. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's freaking smart, Roy. That's cool. I went to church every Sunday in basic training. But um, damn, dude, this is awesome. I feel like with this and then Southwest, like I feel like we're starting to see a tiny churn of resistance here. And I really hope that this is momentum building, and I hope it's not the end of it. I hope it's just the beginning. Um, Because this seems like a couple of big organizations now where this, you know, choice in in vaccines is actually becoming a lot more mainstream. Um, This is awesome, dude. So um, let me think. Anything else that you've got to plug? We're at 43 minutes now. Yeah. um, You know, I think the Catholic Church is a good example, the perfect example of a socialist government that works. That is the only socialist government that's ever worked ever. I mean, you're. I know. I know we've not been yet, but you're familiar with the Vatican, right? And all of its splendor. They've got the Holy Grail in the basement. Michelangelo painted the ceilings. The Pope yeah. still sleep. The Pope sleeps on a twin size bed. Huh. Interesting. That, the Vatican belongs to the people. Hmm. And okay. it's the largest charity organization in the world. And is it completely funded by donations? No taxes are collected. Um, the taxes are voluntary in the form of you know tithes every Church. Sunday. That is and that I mean, is pretty fascinating. I don't know. Some people have heard of it. St. Jude's Hospital. Sure. You should you should you're an asshole. You should write a um you should write a freaking blog article about that, dude, about how the Catholic Church is uh voluntarism, you know, voluntary socialism essentially. Because that's a really good point. And it's not it can't really be socialism if it's voluntary, but it's a really good argument. Exactly. Hmm. And it's the one true religion. No, if only, man. See, that's the thing. Everything should be a religious exemption. If it's against your religion, uh, if it's in your religion, you should have a right to do it. Kind of like, you know, um, how the Native American church still gets to use peyote, mushrooms. How can you tell me that psychedelics aren't religious? Like, if you, they're insanely spiritual, obviously, if you ever used them, but I I don't see how somebody can tell me that that's not part of my religion. I thought it was self induced food poisoning. Um, sure, but it's a uh, religious that's the food secular, that's the secular So is wine. So is wine. Yeah, I mean, hey, obviously. Hey, bootleg, we need some help. But uh, yeah, everybody, go to notarealpodcast.com, by the way. Buy our merch. It's awesome. I think my face is on a t-shirt. Don't buy that t-shirt, though, please. <laughs> At least it's not the when $20 is $20 t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> true. That's Could the best be one, though. Buy that T-shirt. Um, are you trying to get the uh, anchor? Oh, I don't know how, dude. How do you do that? He I, said I he sure uploaded it as a video. That's what I was asking him. I was trying to see if he'd come in and help us get the anchor call. Yeah. But uh, hey, hey, bootleg, we can't find your video. Can you just come in and share this anchor call with us? We might have an anchor call for you guys, but we're not sure. Who is the little boy with the AirPods, and what did you do with the bald guy that likes guns? <laughs> well, um, we killed him. We locked him in our basement, and uh, you'll never see him again. So this is now Butte Leg Librarian. He is the only person who likes guns you'll ever see again. So whoever you might be talking about, the bald guy, we don't know who you're talking about, does not exist any longer. 
Um, anyway, he's definitely wanna... help. I'm stuck in the basement. Let me out. <laughs> I was going to say, very dead. he's not very dead. Say, he's in the basement and he's equipping all of our semi automatic rifles with parts from Third holes. Yeah, we shouldn't even say that. We're going to get our fucking houses raided now, dude. But, um, that was obviously a joke, ATF, you assholes, if you're watching this. I live at P. Sherman 42 Wallaby Way. Come get some. <laughs> All right. Anything you want to plug, brother? Um, Man, I wish we had just talked for 50 minutes so I'd have time to think about this, but nothing's on the, <laughs> nothing's on the forefront of my brain about uh, plugs. Right on, guys. Well, follow the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus if you don't already. If you're watching this from not a real libertarian, please go to the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus now. Give us a like and follow. If you're watching this from not a real, or I'm sorry, from the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, please go over to the Not a Real Libertarian page. Give that a like and follow. And uh, if you're in Oklahoma, Oklahoma Libertarian Party is going to be hosting some awesome events with Natalie Bruno for governor next weekend. We're going to have Spike Cohen and Larry Sharp here for axe throwing on Friday night a rally against the death penalty on Saturday at the state capitol, and then a banquet dinner to raise money on Saturday night, and then a clay shoot on Sunday. So good grief. If you're in Oklahoma, you have a lot of libertarian shit to do next week. And if you want to join me and Braxton at the Poto Balloon Festival this weekend, uh, come do that with the Southeastern Oklahoma Libertarian Party. So um, we love you guys. Thanks for watching, as always. And we will see you tomorrow night with me and my dead co-host, the artist formerly known as bootleg libertarian on not a real libertarian at 6 p.m. Central. So uh, anything else you got, homie? If you're watching this, you are a real libertarian. There's no such thing as a not real libertarian. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Welcome to episode 5 of the